going to talk for a minute about sorting. Uh, and I'm thinking of three categories that we might sort some things into. Uh, we might have the category that says, applause, this is fantastic. Uh, we have the category that says, no, I don't think so. And then we have the category that says, huh, I don't know. And, and so you might experience sorting some things like this. What are some things that people sort, that they put into categories like this? And you can help me online. You can uh, um, unmute. You can chat. I'll be watching for the chat. Um, and in the room, chat out. Yeah. Clothes. Yes. Sometimes parents might help with that sorting. I'm just thinking. Um, yeah, good. Clothing. Other things we sort like that. People. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very significant. Yeah, good. Files. Files, yes. Yeah, on the computer or physical ones, too. I've done some of both. What was somebody else? The weather. Weather, yes. Yeah, especially spring break. Um, we decide some of these are more, uh, more valuable. Whatever other things we might sort. Yeah. Toys. Toys. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, sometimes nothing more is coming in until something goes out, and so we've got to sort. When I lived uh, alone out first time out of the house, uh, this was my refrigerator. Uh, we'll go to the refrigerator, we'll sort, and yeah, that looks okay. Oh, that really doesn't look okay. And this, oh, I don't know, we'll do something with it. Um, my roommate helped me with some of those. He said, no, that, that hamburger, uh, no, most people eat it before it gets to this point. Um, I do think I want to go back to this idea of sorting people. I think we do this in a lot of different ways. Um, I am aware that 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 uh, some people at a certain age say, "Huh, I would like to have a meaningful relationship," and I, I see somebody and think, "No, no, not happening there." Oh, maybe. Oh, I don't know. We'll wait and see, right? We sort. We do this for friendships. We do this in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, this idea of being open and closed-minded, and sometimes we don't even look. I want to think a bit about how does God see people? When God looks at people and says, yeah, there's a keeper, and no, there's trouble there. And there we'll wait and see, and I'm especially interested in how God sees us. When God sees us, what is his reaction? What category does he put us into? And just as a heads up today, sometimes God's view of people is very unexpected, very different than what we would think. So let's pray and ask him to, to speak, to teach today. So we look at his word. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that we can uh, gather together and that we have uh, the word that you have inspired. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for your teaching. And we thank you that uh, we can come to be shaped, to learn, like these ancient kings, who when they encountered you through your people and your word, were changed. And so we ask that you would do your work in us today. We ask that you give us open hearts to hear, to understand, and to find joy in your love. So we thank you for this reality. We thank you, Spirit, for your presence and for your work. Work among us now, we pray. Amen. Uh, the title today is Shocking Reversals. Uh, we're in Luke 18. 
And I encourage you to have that in front of you. I'll have it on the screen too. Um, and we'll talk more about this drawing. I, I just wanted to say a comment. Um, I've got a couple of links up there. Uh, the handouts have a variety of things that might be useful for you. Uh, also, later in the week, uh, we've, we've started to, to add... Um, each week we produce a guide that helps with small groups of people, a life group guide that provides suggestions about conversation questions and questions that relate to culture and, and application. And uh, these will be posted there as well. So it's something to look for. Hopefully by Tuesday this will be posted. And uh, just encourage you to have conversations. Um, maybe ideas for conversations when you get together with family or friends or uh, with with. Um, other people just to process together to say, what is God saying? My own experience is it takes me a while to process. And so if I don't take the time, it often sits on the, on the edge of my heart and then goes on its way. And talking with others has been so valuable in this, so I encourage you in that. Uh, so Luke 18, we're just going to walk through this section together, uh, starting at verse 9. To some who are confident of their own righteousness... And look down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. I just want to stop there for a second. To some who were confident of their own righteousness. And they looked down on everybody else. Uh, Luke chooses to tell us what was in Jesus' mind when he told this parable. What he saw when he looked at the people in front of him. He was focusing on those who were confident in their own righteousness, their goodness. And I, and I think this is especially, they say, you know what? We've really done our best to do good works, to do good actions that honor God, and they don't harm other people. And so many people have, have asked the question, commentaries I read, they asked the question, so who are they? Right? Who were the people that Jesus was talking to? Who did he have in mind? Well, it turns out that the answer that we give to that question can be very significant. It can say a lot about us, by who we decide is in that category. So Jesus told a parable, a very short, simple parable. Let's look at it together. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you. But I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even lift, uh, look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Very simple story. Two characters, the first one a Pharisee, the second one a tax collector, in order to understand the story, we need to step into a first century world and recognize we often have a very negative thought when we think of somebody who's a Pharisee. But that wasn't the case when Jesus spoke. The Pharisees were seen as the most godlike people anybody knew. They knew God's ways the best, and they were the best at following God's ways. The tax collector... Basically, a tax collector was very much not godlike. This is somebody who's offensive and, and harmful. And so Jesus tells the story of these two extremes. The Pharisee comes, says, God, I thank you, I'm not like the others, like that tax collector standing over there. The tax collector stays at a distance and says, God, have mercy 
on me. And that expression, have mercy on me, a sinner, um, just want to highlight one thing that's that's hard to see in English, that this is a word that, that with religious language we might say, make atonement for me, or pay the price to forgive me. He, they'd probably come at the time of sacrifice at the temple. And, and, and the tax collector said, here's the kind of mercy I want. Would that sacrifice, would you make it actually apply to me? Because I'm a sinner. So these two come to the temple and they pray. And Jesus helps us understand. He says, I tell you that this man, meaning the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus said, the tax collector went home justified and not the Pharisee. And to step into the first century world, we have to realize this is a shocking story. Right? God sees the world upside down. It, to first century years, this was startling and it was offensive. In the first century, no one is more righteous than a Pharisee. And few people are as offensive as a tax collector. And God chose to honor the tax collector and show disdain for the Pharisee? So one way that I've, I've wrestled with to try to understand this, to, to, to make it fit in my own ears, it's as if that first person is somebody that you know, they always go around serving and teaching and doing good things. They're really good people. You'd look at them and say, wow, there's somebody who's really good. And the second person, you would look at them and say, well, this is somebody who's selfish and rude and immoral and they hurt other people. And we say, would God really honor the wrong person? Would God actually pick somebody who's offensive? And say, no, that person, that's the one who went home justified. Why would he do it? Well, here's how I hear Jesus teaching in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are the righteous, for they will be filled. Okay, so he didn't actually say that What he said is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Not blessed are the righteous, but blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, blessed are the people who are deeply saddened that they aren't better people than they are. They say, I want more righteousness than I have. I want more goodness than I have. I hunger and I thirst for it. And Jesus said, now there's a blessed person. Not the people who are always good, but the people who long to be more like God. They are deeply saddened that they aren't like him. So then we have another story. Uh, this time it's, it's an event that happens at verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Important people around Jesus, the the disciples and other important people come, and then here come these babies, the families are bringing their babies and say, bring them, and the disciples say, no, 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 no. They're not worthy of coming close to Jesus. And he says, no, actually, they're the only ones who are. 
And I love this expression that if, if you won't receive the kingdom of God, sometimes Jesus talks about entering the kingdom, but here it seems very passive, that it has to be given to you. But to step into the first century again, I think we need to see this is another shocking story that God sees it upside down. My apologies to to people who find infants beautiful and fascinating. The first century view is that babies are a burden until they can do some real work. Right? They're they're all cost and no benefit until they grow up. Right? And, and, And in the first century, so many of them would die anyway. So it was it was 